Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 2004 Saved, directed by Brian Donnelly, who also co-wrote the film, follows a teenage girl played by Jenna Malone, who attends a Christian high school and is part of an attempt to, I'm using finger quotes here, Sure, her boyfriend of his homosexuality winds up pregnant and winds up being ostracized by her classmates, most notably the self-righteous Hilary Fay, played by Mandy Moore. The film also stars Patrick Fugit, Martin Donovan, Eva Amuri, Macaulay Culkin, and the always effervescent Mary Louise Parker. Amazing. I felt like Mary Louise Parker was a little bit underutilized in this movie. But man, I do love her. <laughs> She's fantastic. Um, I guess we're gonna. I just we're just gonna start on Mary Louise Parker. Um, yes, let's get right into Mary Louise Parker. <laughs> uh, a couple things about Mary Louise Parker is a. I don't think I have ever had a crush on a television character in my life Ugh. more than I had a crush on Mary Louise Parker when she was on The West Wing. Oh my god! Well, that's that's her at her absolute peak, Mary Louise Parker. She walks onto the screen the first time, and it's like, good lord! Like she doesn't look like a human being. She's so beautiful. It is astounding, and yes. it's interesting in this one that she's paired up with Martin Donovan, kind of, uh, who uh, is famous for, among other things, he was in those a lot of the Hal Hartley movies from the early nineties, right? Uh, especially Trust, which was uh, a big one in my household, and uh, it, was, it was one of those like it's three a.m. on Cinemax or Showtime, but they're going to yes. show this <laughs> Hal Hartley indie film, and he was like he's one of my wife's big crushes oh. uh, from her coming of age years, and in the two thousands, it felt like Martin Donovan and Mary Louise Parker were paired up a lot. Um, they were in this together. There's a kind of an indie romantic comedy called Pipe Dreams. I've never heard of that. That's not so hot, but it's Martin Donovan and Mary Louise Parker. So I watched it. Um, they were on Weeds together. That's right. Yeah. Uh, they were they were doing a lot. Um, I agree with you. She's a little underutilized in this film. I mean, it's it's not her story. If you're going to cast someone in the movie, it's not like Mary Louise. It's not like I'm like, oh, man, I got Mary Louise Parker in this. So. Uh, you know, I was happy to see her. I'm always happy to see some Mary Louise Parker. And she did play. I, I, I like the way that she played the role of sort of the the sort of a, a marginally overwhelmed, kind of confused mom. I was just like, what is what's happening again? <laughs> who, who clearly is carrying a torch for Pastor Skip and is always yes. trying to set up meetings with him. My favorite bit of Mary Louise Parker acting in this particular movie. And this is like only something that she could have pulled off is uh, there's a scene where she's in the kitchen with her daughter and says, do I have to worry about you? I don't have to worry about you. And I was like, that is, that is some, that is a Mary Louise Parker line delivery right there. Yeah. That is, that is, that is on brand for Mary Louise Parker. Absolutely. I liked, I liked the, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think what I really liked about this movie is that it was a kind film. Like even even at the extremes with like Mandy Moore's character, 
you know, everyone was really set up and it was rife for like life lessons. And I like that they, you know, even as as cartoonish as some of the characters sort of came off to me, there was like an underlying thing. Like it wasn't even like it wasn't mean about Catholic, uh, sorry, uh, uh, born again Christianity in a way. It was just that they were those were the static characters that kind of needed to to kind of get, get, you know, have the facade chipped away a little bit like the the pastor character, even though he was sort of like the ever trying to be hip young pastor who was like using like slang terms and stuff. They didn't do it in a way that was like over the top or like it, it felt genuine. All of the characters felt genuine in their convictions, even though their convictions were in a lot of ways, a little too dogmatic, you know? I do think this movie, like, will poke fun at some characters like that. But I agree with you. It's never vicious. Yeah, yeah. I never get the sense that the movie hates any of the characters. And like you said, even Hilary Faye, who's played by Mandy Moore, which in a performance that I love. Oh, she's amazing. It Like, she's not, like, a full-on, like, irredeemable villain in this either. Uh, I saw this movie when it first came out. And I was blown away by Mandy Moore in this movie because I had just sort of known her as sort of like, oh, she's one of those kind of teen pop starlets. And she and I saw this and I was like, she's amazing in this. And I know she's gone on to like a legitimate acting career, but this was the first movie that she really popped for me. And she is absolutely delightful in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. She digs right in like she's she's she it's it's funny, like it's it's. I watched it the other day and I realized like with a little bit of like with a if if she had if that character had emerged from this movie with it without any like sort of self-reflection she really came off like a like a sort of a, like what I could see what she would become as a middle-aged fundamental Christian woman who like in the Trump era would have doubled down and be, be, would have become of sort of a vicious cartoon. She would have been married to Jesse Gemstone. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah, in this movie, I, I I enjoyed how much everyone seemed to be sort of enjoying their roles. When she throws the Bible at Jenna Malone and screams, I am filled with Christ's love, uh, like that was delightful. There is, there's a version of this movie, I feel, that is Heather's. basically sure sure and i I think i I was reading like early iterations of the script i think went more in that direction it was like a originally a much darker film i think it ended with hillary faye kind of shooting up the school oh geez (laughs) yeah which um i think would have uh not worked for this movie i i think this it's like i don't think this movie is is amazing but i think this is a very kind of like you said it's a very kind sweet kind of it's kind of gently funny i think it's it doesn't go for the jugular ever so right right yeah exactly it like and it has all the potential to but you know i feel like almost every character has a moment in the movie where what they believe is challenged and it to different degrees they they sort of like you know they like i said they double down but at at some point you know when the you know there's that amazing scene at the dance at the end where you know they're everything that the pastor and that and that uh 
Mandy Moore's character believe are sort of being like challenged in real time right in front of them. And they all have a different, you know, uh, a sort of a different point in which they sort of allow the, you know, the, they they allow their static views about things to sort of like readjust to the reality that's happening in front of them. I love the scene at the end where the pastor is outside with the flowers. So conf- like conflicted about like, should I go in and say hello? And, you know, I just, and, and, and again, that's a very Mary Louise Parker moment where she sees him out there, you know, struggling with whether he should come in and say hello. And she's just like, all right, well, he'll figure it out. <laughs> he'll, he'll, He'll get there. <laughs> Cards on the table. I am not a religious person. Um, Neither am I. But I, I, I did grow up religious. I went to Catholic school, which is not the same as going to born again school, but there were, there are were enough similarities that right. I could sort of relate. Um, but I, I kind of like that this movie does not necessarily attack like the institution of religion so much as the way people who are very fallible get it wrong. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's something you kind of run into. Like even, I, you know, I went to a Catholic elementary school and um, even in a, in, in sort of a, and it was a very mild, you know, it wasn't like a deeply religious school, but that you, you always run into people who like, it. it's like they, they, they feel like that they need to sort of work in extremes. And even in, at 10 years old, there were people in my in my Catholic school who really had their walls up like like early on. But it, but it, it was it was always a way in which they like you said, they sort of got the message wrong, you know, um, and because, uh, you know, I think Pastor Skip, the Martin Donovan character, has moments where you sympathize with him. He has moments where you kind of don't when he's, uh, you know, lecturing um the, the boyfriend character about the evils of homosexuality. Um, and, you know, there's moments where he's foolish, where, like you said, he's trying to talk in uh, sort of gangsta speak. Um, yes. You know, Are you down with G-O-D? Um, but, <laughs> which I, you know, was admittedly really funny. But he's he's more complicated than that. I do think this movie, like, it came out a couple years before. I think this is a much better movie than, say, Juno, which dealt also dealt oh, yeah. with a teenage pregnancy. Yeah. Because uh, Juno, I felt, was a very glib movie. It wasn't even vicious. It was just like all of the characters talked like, um, you know, they wrote someone went into an AI generator and wrote snarky. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's very the whole thing is just has this archness that it's like exhausting. <laughs> There's that, that scene in Juno where she's on the phone with her good friend. Who, by the way, the, but her friend, Juno's friend, best friend character is my favorite character in that movie. But there's a scene where they're on the phone together and they're just they're just rifling arch little, you know, little little diatribes at each other for five minutes. And at the end, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, would you could you just have a fucking conversation with each other? God, that's that. But yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like the the the. The message of Saved that really sticks with me is, is that it's when you're in a situation like a closed loop, like a born again evangelical high school, it's really easy to stick to your to your principles about things because they're they're rarely ever challenged. Like everyone's on the same page as you. And then, you know, something happens that sort of, that you know, a, a, a kid 
comes out as homosexual or somebody gets pregnant and all of a sudden it, it's like the real world rears its head and it it makes you it it says to you how are you actually going to deal with this when it's not a hypothetical and all you know in every character had a different sort of like reaction to it and yeah and i and it's it can be a little bit painful people are going to double down and get weirdly overly you know conservative about things especially in that setting um yeah i enjoyed the heck out of it now now granted it's very easy for us to be like this movie didn't attack religion that badly i would i would be very interested to hear what like a person who takes their faith seriously thought of this oh yeah Um, i mean i I live in the northeast there's a lot of like woo unitarian churches around here i'm sure all of the people i know who do that would be fine with it um, you know, at, at one point I was like going to be like, should I ask someone to come on the show? <laughs> it's so I was just like, you know, I eventually just got like, fuck it. Me and Mike and I can Mike and I can take this. We went to Catholic schools, um, but I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I have a few caveats. I'm going to say, I think while some of the performances which we've discussed were utterly enjoyable, like Mary Louise Parker, Martin Donovan and Mandy Moore and Jenna Malone, who I thought was very good in this. Um, I thought some of the performances were a little dodgier. I, I thought Macaulay Culkin was kind of weirdly terrible in this movie. Uh, I thought Eva Murray as Cassandra, um, the kind of, you know, rebel girl of the school was, was not so great. She's, um, Susan Sarandon's daughter too. Oh, is she? Yeah. It was, she, I, 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 she struck me as a little bit much would, would be the best way to, to be the best way to put it. Like, you know, it's funny when you watch something and and, and that might, it, it's funny, Kevin, that might actually have something to do with getting older and watching the character who's supposed to be like the rebellious teen. And I, and you feel like it, at a certain point, it starts to be like, could you just calm the fuck down? Like, like does, does everything have to be, you screaming my pussy is wet <laughs> like couldn't you just go to class <laughs> and then go home well i guess there are there are a few there are a couple of different shades of rebel in this movie too there's a which brings us to our skateboarder um oh yeah i i, I don't know if i'm pronouncing patrick Fugit right but uh he who was i think most famously in uh almost famous yes before this um but he's pastor skip's son who had been away on mission and he comes back to the school and he rides a skateboard and he wears acdc shirts that say jesus and um he does some skateboarding and he's also like much less judgmental than pastor skip he's he's seems to have a better a better bead on what the actual uh messages of the new testament are right well it it almost strikes me that he like he actually went out into the into the world whether it was on you know is on mission but you, you know it's i feel like if you grew up in a household with a father who's a pastor and there's this sort of like over over overlying message that's sort of like beaten down your throat and then you go out into the world and you kind of like he says he's like yeah i mostly just went out and was skateboarding you know like i think he kind of grew up almost a little more self-aware because you know because i don't know like he it, it, it strikes me that he see like you said he sees sees a little bit more of the subtleties and he's actually been out in the world where a lot of the kids in the movie you get the te- you get the the sense that they live in this sort of almost like a gated community 
of born again Christians. They're in a bubble, and even Mary, yeah. the Mary Louise Parker character went to like a retreat for like Christian business owners. Right, so right. It seemed like this was in a, like one of those parts of the country where uh, going to church is your main social right. activity. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm on the East Coast and you're on the West Coast, and it's just that is not. That is not our lived experience. Um, Certainly you know, not. My, my brother-in-law lives in South Carolina, and it's like he's not religious, but like almost everyone else there is. Right. Uh, the The moment where I kind of really liked this character is he is trying to do a trick on a skateboard. I think it's an ollie, maybe, yes. and he kind of crashes. But rather than uh, sort of get kind of like huffy or play it off, he just sort of laughs at himself in front of the people he was trying to show off to. And you're like, that's, that's why this guy is cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a cool kid. Like he, and it's funny, even in the, in the, in the realm of skateboarding outside of the realm of religion, you definitely, those are the kind of the, the skaters that I always sort of gravitated towards and wanted to be like, there's a term in skateboarding when somebody has like a little mental fit about not being able to land a trick uh you you start it's you sort of it's it's like jock behavior mm-hmm. and that's that's not what you want to see in a skater because skaters are supposed to be cool and throwing your skateboard and screaming and being like son of a bitch like that's not cool and you get the and i like that that it's cool that you brought that up because that's the kind of in life, that's the kind of person you sort of want to be the person who kind of sees all the, you know, like can see the subtlety in things, but in skateboarding, you want to be the kind of person who's just like, Oh, I'll try it again. You know what I mean? It's not, it's really not a big deal. The stakes are really, really low here. And uh, that's, I, yeah, I liked the way he played that kid. He kind of was like, he, because it, it's funny, he could have very easily played it where he was like sort of aloof and above everything, which, you know, would have been, would have, would have probably been fitting for a kid who was supposed to be his age and, and as a skateboarder. But instead, he's like the kid who just sort of like sees the truth in it and is like, all right, you know, I can, and you don't even get the sense that he's not, into religion you get the sense that he just like you know takes what he needs from religion and there's a lot that he can see that's not great about it but you know he's he's it's not like he's going to suddenly swing and become an agnostic because of it he seems like a just a genuine genuinely regular dude and i i liked how even though there's not a ton of skateboarding in this movie like what little there was revealed character. So yes, I yeah, felt yeah. like in that way it was integral to the film. Um, well, and it's it's it, we talked about this a little bit in, when we did Bad Santa, where that was like right in the era where for a long time previous to that, the if there was a skateboarder character, he would have been like the underdog or the kid, you know, the kid who gets bullied because he's a skateboarder. And then right around this era, it was like all of a sudden skateboarding had become mainstream enough where in Bad Santa, the skaters themselves were the bullies, which was very surprising to me when I saw Bad Santa the first time. I was like, oh, weird. Like we've breached this. We breached this thing where now the skaters are the shitty, mean kids and not the kids getting shit on and and, and saved. I like that. It was like skateboarding. I think they use skateboarding, like you just said, to reveal some stuff about his character. And it was cool that it was like 
skateboarding wasn't the beginning, middle, and end of who he was, but it was like a definitely a factor. And I I I I I really appreciate that sort of point in in uh in modern skateboarding where it was like you know, there's this really famous, you know, maybe I'll link it when we uh, when we post this. There's this really famous quote by Jerry Seinfeld about skateboarding. Have you ever seen that? I'm not sure that I have. Jerry Seinfeld is being interviewed. And what's I, you know, the I, deal with What's the deal with skateboarding? Um, he's being interviewed, and I I forget the context, so I'll have to look it up. But they at, they're asking him about, like, the youth and what he thinks about kids these days. And he goes on this very kind little sort of diatribe about what he watching skateboarders and he says he's like you watch these kids and they try the trick over and over and over again until they land it and when they land it everybody cheers and there's no prize and there's no like you know there's they, they just want to land the trick and they try it over and over again with conviction until they land it and then they move on to the next thing and it's it's really interesting to hear Jerry Seinfeld have that kind of take because you know you almost expect that he'd be like well it's the kids with the boards and the the pants but instead <laughs> he 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 sees the value in just try, you know and he and he I think he connects it to stand up comedy where you have to just go up there and fail night after night until you until something clicks and I, I that sort of this this character in saved is sort of i feel like that it's he embodies that like you just it's you just keep trying i have a couple notes about this movie though lay it on me i didn't think of this as a particularly old movie but it's almost 20 years old yeah and yeah. i hadn't watched it since it first came out i, I think this was during the uh netflix mails you a dvd period of <laughs> watching um and it's it was interesting to me like how much of a time capsule this movie felt like oh yeah there's no social media there's no phones uh the fashions look kind of dated and i just you know because of my age i don't think of the 2000s as a distinct era and this is watching this movie i definitely felt like this is a 2000 this is a mid 2000s movie right here well, it, it that's funny that you bring that up because that that happens a lot. It just happens. So Megan and I just watched the entirety of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you don't necessarily think about a show like that as being like a like you said, like it doesn't have this distinctive defining era look to it the way that obviously something said in the 60s or 70s or or even the 80s does. And then you go back and you watch something set in the early 2000s. It's the same with Gilmore Girls. You watch something like that and you realize, oh, like there are there there is a really distinctive sort of fashion and style of things. And you're right, like watching a show or a movie where a cell phone isn't a factor seems really archaic now. Like, like you know, because now, you know, how many how many silly plots in a, in a show like maybe Friends or something could be solved immediately if the person was just, oh, I'll call them and clear this up right now. You know what I mean? We're, we're trapped in this walk-in freezer for the night. Oh, let me text someone. To get let me, me text somebody and we'll we'll have this resolved in 30 seconds, right? It's it's funny. We we always make the comment, every, you know, every time we do a run-through of the Gilmore Girls, we always talk about how the Gilmore Girls hangs on a little too long 
plot wise to the idea that it not you know everyone has a goddamn cell phone in their hand like i think it's like even like later seasons where they all have cell phones but like lorelei's mom calls her and lorelei instead of just looking at the caller id and being like oh it's my mom i'm not gonna answer the phone she just answers the phone and it gets tricked into a conversation with her mother and I, you know, so it's like, it's funny to watch, you know, there, there must have been a, a, a period of time where screenwriters and everybody had to ad- adapt to this idea that this this ever-present cell phone is, you know, totally affecting the way that people communicate with each other. And you're right, you I put it, the first thing I noticed about Saved, I put it on, I was like, wow, this really is from a very distinct era where where a smartphone or even just a cell phone, like not everybody had one. And uh, and I also it was it's funny it was it was mostly in Mandy Moore's um, fashion and makeup choices where I was like oh wow this is this is as era defining as a as a a, a character in the sixties wearing like a flowered shirt and a bell bottoms you know like she the the way her jeans fit her is a very is very exactly of that era or the fact that they're at the mall. Yeah, <laughs> they're hanging out at the mall. I think another movie, another movie that's like that, like right on the cusp of that is Mean Girls. Yes, this movie reminded me a lot of Mean Girls. There's a lot of similarities between the two. Yeah, I agree. They came out around the same time, too. So it was and they were both like highly enjoyable films. Um, I also initially there was a, there was a moment at the prom where people are talking and in the background, I'm thinking, no prom in 2004, Christian High School or No, is playing Skyway by their replacements. <laughs> um, and then I realized that the Christian rock band, they got to play the prom. The gag was they're just overlaying replacement songs. Oh, I did. I, <laughs> over I, the entire I, I hadn't caught that. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, yeah. God fight the Christian rock band. I mean, it's not the guys in the replacements, but they overdub replacements records when they perform. Huh. Interesting. Because, yeah, initially I was like, no, no high school prom. It's playing Skyway. They didn't play that when that record came out. They're not playing it now. That's funny. Someone really, I mean, I know Michael Stipe was a producer of this film. Oh, there you go. Maybe there's the connection. Yeah, I was surprised to see Michael Stipe on the on the production credits. That was uh, that was interesting. He he dabbles in film production. He was a producer on, uh, I think, Being John Malkovich, too. Interesting. There's a lot to like in this movie. It's not, you know, this is not sort of among my favorite films ever made, like say Pee Wee's Big Adventure. But um, it's it's no Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I I think this is I think this is worth seeking out. Yeah, well, it's it's I think what I the, the impression I got the first time I watched it and when I watched it again was that it's just a nice little film. You know, I love I I love I'm a very big fan of subtle performances. I'm a, a you know as as much as I like over the top insane shit as well. Like I, you know, I, we Pee Wee's Big Adventure is certainly not a a, a a film with with many subtle performances. But I think what I like about Saved is that it's it's like there's all these little moments, like the moment where the the her boyfriend shows up at the prom. And he finds out that she's pregnant and his little moment reaction where he's just like, that's awesome. Really? I, like, I I, I got to admit, it really touched me. I was like, wow, what a that's exactly the right reaction. And that's like the that's the guy that you you want him to be, you know, like, yeah, awesome. That's great. I really like that. I liked uh, 
I liked I, I liked everybody in the movie, even, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't have quite as the same reaction to Macaulay Culkin. I think the first time I saw the movie, I remember being just like, oh, good. Macaulay Culkin is like, seems like he's sort of like reemerging a little bit as sort of a, a, a more of a low key kind of a a supporting actor. Because, you know, I was always rooting for Macaulay. I I thought he was a, a sweet little kid. And then, you know, he had the same sort of trials and tribulations that I think most child actors have. And then just to have him sort of come back in like a smaller, more, a little more sort of quiet role. I think I was more just relieved that he was OK. <laughs> that, that, that's that's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a couple uh, announcey things. Let's I get guess, into like it. Like plugs or whatever. Um, so the Sunday after we record, but this will probably come out after, so you can look it up. It'll probably be out. Uh, I'm going on a podcast called Wait, You Haven't Seen That um, uh, to talk about Mulholland Drive, the David Lynch film, a film that does not have any skateboarding in it, but is one of my favorite films. Uh, so I'm talking about that. I have seen it. Uh, but the host, TV's Travis, has not. And I like the the gist of that show, I believe, is that, um, you know, one person, either the guest or the host, has to have not seen the movie being discussed previous prior to watching it for the podcast. So I was talking to him and I said, well, these are my, these are some of my favorite movies. And he said, let's do Mulholland Drive. Uh, it'll be interesting because I listened to the episode that that podcast did about Blue Velvet and man the guest on that hated blue velvet and <laughs> i love blue velvet so it'll it'll be interesting to see how it goes uh so tune into that i'm going to do my best to defend mulholland drive a film where nothing should work and yet everything does and uh naomi watts gives the performance of the millennia in that <laughs> fucking movie and you talk about someone who like you see a performance and you're like this person's going to be a big star and man what a disappointment naomi watts's career turned out to be from from the promise of that movie because holy it is her career i i guess i hadn't really thought much about naomi watts's career well, that's it? the thing holy fuck a moly is she good in that movie yeah she's done stuff that's been fine like the ring is a good movie and uh she was good she's been good in other stuff but in Mulholland Drive, she is on fucking fire. The only other thing I can think of where, like, I watched a movie and thought, like, like this person who I've never seen in a movie before is a star, is amazing, and a star was when Kate Winslet showed up in Heavenly Creatures. Oh my god! Oh my god! That that. But Kate Winslet went on to be like the best actress of her generation, and. Right. Um, like Kate Winslet, I feel like lived up to the promise of that movie. Like not everything Kate Winslet has done has been, uh, like a great movie, but almost no actors are in like exclusively great movies. Right. Um, but Naomi Watts, I'm like, and she's been good in stuff. She's like the, my favorite thing about that Peter Jackson, King Kong movie. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I'll, maybe you don't have to listen to the podcast cause I'm getting into <laughs> it here, but like, so Mulholland Drive. <laughs> Wait, you haven't seen. I love it. We'll see if uh, TV's Travis also loves it or not. Um, at the end of the month, I think I'm going on a podcast called Gimmicks about gimmick episodes of TV to talk about the Shakespeare episode of Moonlighting. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, the taping of the shrew. That's uh, 
if only we had a, a forum. <laughs> if only we had a morning podcast. <laughs> what wonderful television show that everyone loves. <laughs> uh, so you may have noticed, like, for a while, Mike and I were doing a moonlighting podcast with our friend Liam. And Liam, uh, I don't think, wants to do it anymore. And to me, what was funny about that podcast was how much Liam hated moonlighting. Yeah, that um, was the hook. He hated the show and it made it so funny. <laughs> and then I'm like, if it's just me and Mike, why don't we just do this podcast? So we're doing right. this one. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's stuff that's coming. I'll I'll talk about the moonlighting one more when it's out. And uh, if you're going to Dragon Con, Labor Day weekend, uh, I'm going to be attending, I'm going to be an attending professional this year at nice. Dragon Con. So come to Dragon Con, and I'm going to do some panels on digital media and on nerdy old stuff and maybe movies, uh, probably not skateboard movies because Mike won't be there to do it with me. But uh, that should be a fun thing. So those those are my plugs right now, Mike. That's a full plate, Kevin. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Winds up pregnant and facing the ostracization, ostracization and winds up being <laughs> ostracized by her classmates.